0: You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only an up or down. This is the No Doubt About It podcast.
1: No doubt about
0: it. Now your hosts, Christy and Mark Runcay.
1: Okay. Yeah, a special edition of the show today, which is not one we thought we were going to be doing.
2: Right. Much heavier. Yes. Uh, Much heavier topics today. Um, Much more somber Monday morning here based on the weekend activities.
1: Yeah, what's happening in Israel is horrendous Mm -hmm. and is indefensible and disgusting. And we were going to do a show about something totally different, but we decided to change direction. So we want to kind of update you on some of what's been going on. Um, and share with you some view from the ground. And, and a lot of the video you're gonna see on here is not going to be pleasant.
2: But yeah, I would I would say let's put a warning out there for any uh younger kids, younger yeah. children. Um it is incredibly violent. Um yeah. and the topic itself is um obviously horrific. It is it is terrorist activity that is coming in, and we are basically gonna talk about it and talk about Israeli's response. Um, as well as have a special guest in here in just a little yeah,
1: bit. Yeah, Nate Heitz is going to come in. He's a pastor at Calvary. And and we're going to talk about the end times. Did, is this something that we should be connecting to the end times? And Nate's going to talk to us about that. And, and uh, you know, I we kind of went back and forth on whether we should go this route and talk about this the way we were going to. But I think it's important that we understand the magnitude of what's going on here. And I think we all feel it in this country right now. We all feel this sense of things spinning out of control.
2: Yeah, just a lot of chaos.
1: Complete chaos in this feeling that that we're headed to a very bad place. And I know that we get into political fights and some of the stuff that's that can be inane and stupid. I get that. That's not what this is. This is women and children, elderly, being slaughtered in the birthplace of our faith. So we can act like that's not happening, mm-hmm. but it is. And we got to talk about it. And I hope people don't turn from talking about it and want to address it. So Nate's going to talk to us about that from a biblical point of view. And then before we get to Nate, we're going to go through what's already happened, what's likely to be the steps forward here in the next couple of weeks, and what's likely to happen here in America. Because what we're seeing in America is, is an interesting mix, mm-hmm. right? I mean, right. A, a mix of a some really solid support for Israel, but then also... Very troubling signs to me and some of what we're seeing come out of some of our political leaders and more appropriately, some people marching in in New York City on Sunday, Mm -hmm. pro-Palestinian protests the day after they kill 700 innocent Israelis. Mm -hmm. I I mean, that's just inexplicable to me. So and and I understand there's a there's a debate on both sides here, seemingly, but but uh, there is no debate on this. I understand long-standing issues, but this is indefensible and disgusting. So, we want to address it, mm-hmm. and we will. And and so, and I'm sorry that this is going to be one of those shows going to be a little rough. I, the last show we talked about crime was a little rough too. I promise we are going to get to some positive content eventually, <laughs> yeah. but this is but this is when we have to address.
2: Agreed. Oh, agreed. I mean, absolutely. We're both coming back from you know, we're both have a strong news background. This is the story that people should be talking about. It kind of shocks me when you see people um, tweeting stuff that ha- that should you think uh, be they're in leadership roles, you'd think that they'd be concerned about these situations, right. They at least be addressing it. They're not that floors me, in all honesty, either. I-, I don't know how you'd be oblivious to this being such a big deal. You know, right. when Israel is declaring war. on on hamas that's a big deal and you know the fact that we're not really
1: well israel yeah israel declaring war after being slaughtered correct okay yeah Yeah, yeah, sorry
2: no No, i'm assuming that you you know if you're listening to our show hopefully you know know at least that by now but (laughs) but if not let's catch everybody up to speed that is kind of been doing something different this weekend
1: well yeah and, and i think for for people who don't know basically what happened was on early saturday morning uh hamas basically which is a terrorist group that that runs you know, and it basically has control of the Gaza Strip, which which um, is a portion of, you know, right, you know, a portion of Israel. So so what you see here and it's tough to see from this wider map here, but, you know, it's basically kind of in the southern portion of Israel um, is where the Gaza Strip is. And the Gaza Strip, to give you an idea, is basically 25 miles long and about six miles wide. Okay, so not a huge area there's been a lot of contention back and forth uh, about this area. We're not experts on the Middle East, so we're not going to try to educate you on everything that goes on there, but basically what Hamas did was has spent the past better part of the past 10 years getting ready for this. And, and so what they did is they they came in on Sunday and or actually Saturday. on Saturday, excuse mm-hmm. me. And, and and basically variety of ways. They came in with bulldozers. Mm-hmm. They, they came in with parachutes, pa- I believe. Paragliders, paragliders actually. Yeah. The paragliders. They paraglided into a concert, which which we won't show you that video, but they killed 260 people at that concert. Right. They just came in and mowed them down.
2: Right. And some of those folks weren't even from Israel. Oh, no, of course not. They were just A disguessed. good portion
1: work. And, and this gives you a quick idea. If you look at the threats facing Israel, the reason we put this up, and again, if you're not able to see this, I'll kind of walk you through it just a little bit. Ava, hey, well, let's go uh, tighten it in on Gaza. Uh, in the description of Gaza. So the, there's where you see the description of Gaza. And this is controlled by, you know, the Hamas terrorist organization. Okay. They're basically a terrorist group that, that you know, controls this small stretch of land. And basically they just punctured into Israel through their border. Okay. They had a huge fence and everything. And they just bulldozed it. And then they they went in and tried to go in a variety of different ways. Some by sea, some by air, and then some on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then they, as they went in, they just wiped everybody out that they could. Women, children, elderly didn't matter. And then they took other people hostage.
2: Yeah, then they kidnapped kids and dragged them back into Gaza. Right.
1: And they're holding them hostage as we speak.
2: Right. And some of them were brutally, brutally murdered, and their bodies were kind of carried around and paraded around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they
1: paraded them around. I mean, this is this is beyond abhorrent. There's not enough. There's not a word in the English language to describe what they did. So and it is
2: being compared now to their own version of nine eleven of Israel's version of nine eleven.
1: It's it's worse, and I'll tell you why. Seven hundred people so far, as what we know, are dead as of today, as as, as we're talking late Sunday. Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, to give you an idea, that's roughly twenty five thousand people dying in nine eleven. That's the equivalent. So we didn't lose twenty five people. Twenty five thousand people in nine eleven. You know, so they they have taken a massive hit here, and and things had been relatively relatively quiet over the past 10 years there have been skirmishes things going back and forth this is going to blow all that out of the water because if you're the Israelis right now you have no choice
2: right but because, to go
1: in and wipe out Hamas right I mean I, there's no other th- there's no other path forward
2: and I'm wondering if Hamas is thinking that there's no way they'll do this because we have so many of their hostages
1: I I think is Israel yes and is yeah you're right I and mean, it's a really good point right so is Israel used to operate under the the You know, kind of ethos of we will do whatever we have to do to get our people back. Mm -hmm. But if their thought process is we're going to come into your country and steal women and children. No, Israel is then going to go in to the Gaza Strip and wipe it out to get who they need.
2: Right. And didn't Israel have they already warned? Hey, if you're anywhere near Gaza, get out of there. They've
1: already done that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They did that even after. Like Hamas get did this out. get out, mm-hmm. Said get out because it's going, we're down. coming. Yeah. Right. Right. So I want to show you, let's start with this picture and Ava, it's picture. Number three, it's a horrendous picture.
2: It is a horrendous picture. And, and I
1: don't, I don't do this to, to glorify it or anything else. We show you this to show you the horrendous nature of what was done. And so here it is. And, and this is, these are four elderly people waiting at a bus stop. And we don't need to get any closer than that Ave. we're good. But they're just shot in the head.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: These, just, I mean, these people are completely defenseless. And they're shot in the head. And, and then not only that, but, but they go and they go into this concert, right? Right. And, and they just start mowing people down in this concert. And and so, you know, you, let's go to clip four, Ave, and We can just play this. And you can keep the sound down a little bit. You know, you can have a little bit of sound for it. But basically, what this shows is that it's a group of Hamas fighters that have um, a 30 year old German citizen named Shawnee Lauk. She was there for a concert. And so they killed Shawnee. They have her in the back of a truck, basically with their underwear on, and that's it. And they're all celebrating. They're all celebrating and cheering what they're doing mm-hmm. right here. Yeah, and this is and and there's guys spitting on her and everything else.
2: Yeah, I, it's it it's super disturbing. I mean, it's very disturbing. And I do think that, like you know, coming, we discussed what we're going to show on this show today when we're not. But the point is, is when things are this bad, when yeah. they're this, if anybody comes out in defense of this group, we have a serious issue, and we and, and people should be very aware of that. You know, I I understand that there has been activity fighting amongst this group and Israel for a long time, like you just said. But this is, there's zero excuse for this under any circumstance.
1: No, I I agree with you. And and I don't even know, I I don't even know how to continue to describe this. And again, here's another, another group, clip five, Ava. They go into the home of someone who they've already killed. And they got the family and they got two little kids there. And they've killed a third child, and they're holding the family hostage. Which they're just sitting there. And the little girl says, "You know, I I I wanted her to stay alive, meaning her sister. There's no chance she'll come back." The little girl's asking her mom this, and and, she, and the child said, "There's no chance." And the mom says, "No, there's not." The little boy is crying. The little girl is crying. Oh, it's just it's, it's heartbreaking.
2: It's it, it it's it, it go. I mean, I I understand that war in itself is just there's. <laughs> I mean, war is never pretty. I'm not no, trying to but, paint that there yeah. is, but this is just like this, this, this isn't is,
1: war. Yeah, this is terrorism. Like that's right. what this is. This is taking the most vulnerable people possible, and and what going after them. What a bunch of cowards! Yeah, they really are. They really are. And that's why. And we want to make this point, and We'll do. Um, we have one more video clip that I'll do. Um, Ava, let's just do six, and you can bring up just a little bit of audio with this, if you can, just. Underneath, it, we don't have okay. So we don't have audio with this. That's fine. It, what it shows is that these these fighters, whatever these coward terrorists, have gone in, grabbed a girl, and they loaded her into a jeep. They beat the heck out of her, mm-hmm. and they're pulling her out of this jeep and, and pulling her in here. They're 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 kidnapping her because they they want. He's grabbing her by the hair and throwing her in a car. So
3: th- this just, is it.
2: She is just bloody. And yes. what's interesting is. Now they're filming all this, right? They're sharing this. Look at those guys right there. Like they're filming their own.
3: Absolutely.
2: Ridiculousness, like just horrific uh, cases of what they're doing. These are absolute war crimes and they're recording themselves. Oh, they want
1: to do it. They want to spread fear. They wanted everyone to see this and they would go in to Facebook pages that were Israelis and they would show these. They wanted everyone to see this, this animalistic behavior. They wanted. They wanted to show it off. And so they went into Facebook pages. They went into Instagram accounts that were Israeli and they took people's phones and showed what they were doing. So, so when it comes down to, and the reason we do this, and again, I'm sorry, this is like this for the first 12 minutes of the show, but the reason we show you this is because there's something else coming and it's going to be Israel. Stop addressing this ceasefire, ceasefire, ceasefire. How do you have a ceasefire? with people who will take your most vulnerable citizens and slaughter them. There is no ceasefire. We wouldn't do that in America. And we didn't do that on 9-11. We went after the people who did this and kept going. And so for the, I think the media in this country is setting up for that.
2: Well, and, you know, I do think that we should show seven. I think we should show clip seven only because it, you know, when you're hearing about women and children being rounded up. Yeah. This is an example of the women and children being rounded up. I Go to clip seven, Ava. Okay. Yeah, I, you, I you do don't have wanna... to have
1: any audio if you don't have it, Ava. No, okay. but I,
2: I just want people to see that. The, the fact is, is we want you to remember just how bad this is, because as Mark has said, and we've just been discussing, like, you know, I'm trying to listen to both sides, like both media kind of, you know, I'm listening to NPR this morning. I'm listening to um, New York Times. I'm trying really hard to see kind of all the all the sides of this. And I feel like with when Israel starts the real attack, right. it's exactly what you're saying. The other side's gonna come out and be like, whoa, 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 wait, Israel, this is terror, you know, like ceasefire, stop, stop, stop. And I'm like
1: you have to destroy no their ability to way. ever do this to you again.
2: Yeah. I mean, no that, way.
1: And 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 that is something we would do in this country. So Ava, finally the last one mom is saying this is, is uh, clip seven. And these are just women and children being rounded up. Here it is. Just and, off the street and ripped yep, out of their
2: homes, yep, and they're putting little these trucks, girl
1: sitting there. Her mom's holding her, and they're putting them in the back of the truck and hauling them off to hold them hostage. Yeah, likely to do much worse to them.
2: And even I, some of the readings I've been reading is they they've killed some of the parents and then they've taken the kids right out of the house and stuck them in these trucks. Yeah, I mean it's just it's it's more appalling um, than you can even imagine. Yeah, you know, on a Saturday morning, think about what we're doing on a Saturday morning. We're going to for a soccer game or we're for a baseball game or. We're, you know, what, you know, our kid is at an acting competition. Um, and that's what we're focusing on here, back in here in America. I can't imagine somebody coming into our house, taking, killing us, taking our kids. thinks, you know, it's like, we need to start really realizing this isn't just a place that's super far away. This is something that well, these are human beings, just like the rest of us right. that are just trying to live their daily lives and that are completely innocent in the situation.
1: Yeah. You, yeah. And, and, and let's, let's. Now let's broaden this out because the reason we're bringing all this up is this is gonna stretch far beyond what just happened yesterday or the day before. So, So let's go to clip eight, Ava. This is the reaction to what happened in Iran. Now, the reason Iran is important is because Iran gives all the financial support to Hamas to do these things. Iran's the number one sponsor of terrorism in the world. Iran loves it when innocent blood is spilled in America or in Israel. So we can act like it's not happening, we can try to give Iran billions of dollars like President Biden has done. It's devastating because you can say, oh, well, that money didn't go to this. Well, it doesn't matter. Okay, it doesn't matter. If you give Iran billions, that gives them billions more to spend on killing people, especially Israelis and Americans. So this was the reaction in Tehran. In case you can't see it, those are fireworks yeah
2: fireworks celebratory celebratory it's like
1: it's, events it's
2: like it's like the Fourth of July over there is what it looks like
1: and it it's just horrible and and it wasn't just there
2: no it's here too
1: Sunday morning in New York City pro-palestinian groups started marching down the middle of New York City
2: yeah this is number nine Eva. the day
1: after this is the day after Hamas kills who uh, really, the number is likely to go up, could, could be a thousand people, equivalent to 30, maybe 40,000 Americans in Israel the day after, look at what they're doing. Now, they're marching down pro-Palestinian groups. Here's my issue with this. I, I understand there are people who will argue that the issues with Palestinians and Israelis and everything else. The day after, Palestinian Militant groups kill 700 Israelis. You're going out and, and walking down New York City with them. We got open borders. We've got all this. Do you not think bad things can happen here? This is just devastating. And, and it's ridiculous. Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, excuse me, the governor of New York, said this is abhorrent.
2: Mm-hmm. She's
1: like, this is abhorrent and good for Kathy Hochul. I'm no Kathy Hochul fan, clearly. But she said the right thing. Well, then some Israeli and some pro-Israel groups and some Israeli groups stood next to him, And here was their reaction.
0: Shame on you! Shame on you! Shame on you!
1: They said, shame on you with their Israeli flags. Good for them. Right. Stand up against this stuff. I mean, this is awful.
2: Oh, this is, it's just, I it, i can't imagine if they'd come out during 9-11, yep. the day after 9-11, and, and pulled this kind of garbage.
1: And, and it, yeah, that's right. That you know? yep, yeah, that's exactly it. And if anybody's I mean,
2: misunderstanding that this is something somewhat similar, it is.
1: Yeah, somewhat similar. Oh, it, it absolutely is. So
2: it 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 is just there's zero reason that you're out there protesting and celebrating the yeah. situation.
1: No, there, there's no doubt. And so, so further to the point, clip number eleven, Ava. One of the first things that our U.S. Office of Palestinian Affairs put out was this: we unequivocally condemn the attack of Hamas terrorists. And the loss of life that incurred. We urge all sides to refrain from violence and retaliatory attacks. Okay, that was put out. Five minutes later, it was pulled.
2: Yeah, as it should have been. It
1: absolutely should have been. I'm sorry they slaughtered you. Please don't don't fight back. Don't
2: fight back. Who who thought that was a great idea? No,
1: but this is the Biden administration. Like, this is a soft administration that, that, in so many ways, is putting this country in. Danger
2: major now. danger yeah. yeah and
1: then ted cruz responds he sees this and he fires back with a tweet that i think was exactly on point and, and senator cruz said this is disgraceful and every single person involved in the drafting and approving of this tweet should be immediately expelled from the u.s government that is exactly right yeah
2: i can't agree with him more on that. could one.
1: you imagine day after 9-11 Coming out and saying no, 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 U.S. don't respond, don't respond, don't no, respond, not,
2: don't play dirty, everybody. Let's like
1: <laughs> unbelievable, Oh, my gosh. And 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 look, and we get to the money portion of this, and and we saw actually President Trump talk about this on on September eleventh, September eleventh, the Biden administration freed up six billion dollars of Iranian money in South Korea. So this is the sort of thing that is infuriating. Because the Biden administration and the Obama administration have been incredibly soft on Iran. They, for whatever reason, I don't understand what it is. Right. That's
2: what you and I were talking about. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't understand. I I don't understand.
1: Well. And, And
2: I believe that Obama, as of right now, Obama has not made a single tweet about this yet.
1: Right. Not one. Which is. Nor has Michelle. Right. Which is disgusting. Right. Right. Disgusting. OK, but but the point being, you give six billion dollars to Iran, they then have that money freed up to support more people across the globe who want us dead. I mean, it's that simple. So stop thinking you can work some deal with Iran. Oh, no, it's OK. We'll figure it out. We'll do the JPOA and we'll figure out, you know, the new JPOA and see what we can figure out. It's you can't do it. OK, they want you dead. So so there's there's one way to do this, unfortunately, and that is defend the people of your country and, and stop their ability to cause absolute havoc. But here's what worries me in the U S and, and again, we're going to wrap this up here in just a couple of minutes and get to Nate. Mm-hmm. But I want to do a couple of clips on U S media. Cause, cause U S media is going to turn on this. The mainstream media, NBC, MSNBC, CBS, these guys are going to turn and start saying Israel's going too far. It's coming. Just give know, it a day or get, two.
2: Just wait for give it, it,
1: a, it. It's already started. Check this out from on uh, Saturday morning from the Today Show, Weekend Today Show, listen to this.
0: So this is all unfolding right now. It's obviously an active situation, but talk to us about the hostages. What are we talking
2: about in terms of how many people and the plan to get them back? Laura, it is not clear right now how many israelis have been taken hostage by hamas but there is no more sensitive piece of information in israel right now than how many israelis are inside of the gaza strip the israeli government the israeli people the state of israel puts an enormous value on getting its people back whether they are alive or whether they are dead and if there are Live Israelis, soldiers, but especially if there are civilians inside of Gaza right now, there is almost no length that the Israeli government will not go to to get them back. And it may
0: be that this Israeli government, this extreme right Israeli government under the leadership
1: of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Hear it right there. Hear it right there. Okay, that was it. This extreme, extreme right. right government. Yeah. Extreme right going after your own, trying to rescue your own people. Right. Right. But here's what he didn't realize when he's talking about that, is that the whole game has changed now. If you think the game is the Israelis will give up whatever they have to to get their people, they can't do that anymore.
2: No. They've got the, to go
1: in and wipe them out. Yeah, because they've breached
2: beyond all measure. And what, You know what surprises me, Mark, and this is kind of what I was talking to you about earlier this morning, is you know when we sit here with the left side, right, and if the left side starts coming out and, and uh, being on the side of Hamas and saying that Israel's being too harsh... You have to ask yourself, Hamas is one of them. They are, do not promote freedom. They do not promote women. They are anti-women. Right. They are anti-LGBTQ. They are anti almost everything that the left side supposedly is in favor of. So how in a, in their right mind are they going to justify supporting Hamas on this or showing any sort of compassion towards Hamas?
1: Like, they, they have no understanding of it. They live in a cocoon in the United States. They don't realize that they'd be the first targets Hamas would would go after.
2: Yeah, absolutely. They don't realize it. Absolutely. Because
1: they're clueless. It, because because they, they're they talking about a bunch of talking points that they just have no concept of. It, it, it's wild. And, and you see it and you see them say these things. I mean, it, it's just absolutely horrible. And, and, and even worse than this, I want you to listen to this from MSNBC. Now, I realize these guys are trying to be pundits and everything else, but just listen to what is said about halfway through this, and we'll stop it right after you know this is this was Saturday evening on MSNBC.
0: But lots of lots of Palestinians have said to me, boy, they wish that those same Israelis who were out there protesting the so-called judicial reforms would be protesting Israel's inhumane treatment of the uh, Palestinians who live under Israeli occupation. But that's just not something that's happening. It's not something we're hearing from American politicians this morning. It's not something we're hearing from. I, I think the only comment I've heard is from the government of Qatar this morning about this. Yeah, and unfortunately, you're right. People, you know, American politicians and other politicians think they can just ignore the context in which all of this is happening. The fact that Israel is an occupying power, the fact that Israel has violated international law and Palestinian rights as per, you know, the experts, the leading U.N. agencies and leading human rights uh, organizations around the world like Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International. Their word is reliable and active on in other areas, but not here, because Israel is the U.S.'s ally, because Israel, uh, you know, we, we you spend taxpayer money on buying Israel defense uh, systems and trying those defense systems on Palestinians. Okay.
1: Okay. Um. That's actually a different quote than I thought, but it, but it still makes the point of that MSNBC now running interference for context. There's context. Yeah, there's Sometimes a, you have to mow down elderly people in the street. You gotta know the context.
2: And you gotta kill kids. You
1: gotta kill kids because it's And you gotta context. strip
2: uh, young women down and then just parade their bodies around. That's all yeah. justified though. This is all completely but, well, justified. Well,
1: no, but you don't understand the context. <sighs> the context is that you know Israel's an occupying force. Give me a break. But this is the kind of stuff that happens. And then people who, who are in their silo, who, who just, who just watch MSNBC and just surround themselves with this sort of thing. Like you mentioned all the time that, you know, you listen to other sources and, and I do as well, but you do especially. And, and that's important because it is important to understand what people are talking about. But, but if you never step outside that silo, you're the idiot who says uh, we got to have context. Mm-hmm. There's no context. To well,
2: what I will tell you, if you start hearing people defend this,
1: Re- heard, you just heard it
2: well I know I'm saying everyday people like your people in your circles right right, right. if you start hearing people defending this situation I'd ask them what their sources are yeah. where are they getting all their content from because honestly that's that's what's really freaky to me is that when especially Americans only dial into one side of an issue Yeah. It's very scary. I think we should, I, I think we should show this Tom Cotton tweet that just came out. Go for it. Um, you know, he's the senator. He he just put out here that um, he's calling out New York Times and other liberal media. Please stop including Hamas terrorists in your count of the dead in Israel. It's morally revolting. It's akin to including the 19 hijackers and the death toll for 9-11. Well,
1: yeah, what they're talking about is this. the headline in the New York Times. It says more than 900 dead after Hamas attacks and Israel's retaliation, (laughs) right? So this is the equivalency test, right? That's what they're going to try to pull. And so we just want you to know that this is what's coming. Like what's coming is Israel needs to back off. That's what's coming and resist the temptation to say, well, maybe they should. Let's, I mean, look, Israel has been violated in a way that has not been, there's no equivalent in our lifetimes. Mm -mm. So I think that- what they need to do is to stand up and eliminate Hamas's ability to ever do this to them again, period, just like we would. And we and believe me, we have threats in this country. It's very obvious. Israel has one of the most secure borders in the world. We do don't not. have a border.
2: <laughs> we so do not now. be
1: very clear that we're in danger as well. So this discussion does get broader, though
2: right and obviously so we're going to keep our eyes on this um as we you know as the as the days come up and i'm sure you know hopefully obviously we're going to hear about this probably from all sorts of news agencies but we are particularly interested as as you know christ followers yeah. where is this talking about you know what does this look like in scripture and is there stuff that we need to be kind of looking out for so obviously we're not theologians right <laughs> we study scripture we go to church we believe in um, the Bible for sure. But we wanted to bring in somebody that we felt like would have a lot more information on this and could give us some, shed some light on that as well. so. So
1: Nate Heitzig is going to be with us here in just a minute. We're going to talk to him about what this means. And then are we looking at the end times right after this?
0: You're listening to the no doubt about it podcast back to your hosts, Christy and Mark Ronchetti.
1: All right. It is our honor to welcome Nate Heitzig, who's one of the pastors at Calvary here in Albuquerque. Your dad is the founding pastor. Yep. And I'll tell you, it's interesting for people who don't know you and your style, and a lot of people know your dad. You guys have totally different styles, <laughs> right? That's and, true. And yeah. we love them both. It's we wanted when everything started to break here over the past couple of days yeah. with what's going on in Israel. Uh, I wanted to bring you in just to talk about it yeah. and just kind of get your impression of things. But we'd love to start by talking about your path real quickly here, yeah. because your dad has a reputation of being somebody who dives into the Bible, and, and you you learn things from him that you never imagined. Yes. And then you were talking about when we oh, were yeah. at Calvary, uh, maybe a week or two after the election.
2: Yeah, it was a week or two after the election it was the first time we heard you preach, and And we've heard your dad a lot, obviously yeah. over the years, but you came in and I was like, "We walked out, and I was like, "Well, it's about dang time that we <laughs> heard this. like this is what we need right now, everybody is right. you know some really bold words, you know, you really did not hold back, yeah on what we need to be doing as a Christian community, what we need to be doing when it comes to our kids and our education and um you know, our leaders, all kinds of things. you were really bold. um yeah. so you do have a a pretty bold way of preaching, yes. And and, and wh- have you always been like that? Is that yeah?
3: Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. It's a privilege to be on here. Yeah. Um. It's so it's interesting. You know, I was I was taught to teach by my dad, and I was taught to teach by another mentor of mine, Levi Lusco. Um. And so you know, I think that any communicator, I'm, I'm sure you were the same way, you know, first stepping into the the news when you first started mm-hmm. becoming a communicator, you emulate people that you admire. Yeah. And so early on, when I started teaching, I would emulate uh, early on Levi. I really wanted to be like Levi. So I would emulate Levi. And then there was a season where I really emulated my dad. And I had people who really just tried to encourage me to find my own voice. And so I really found that um, you know, I'm kind of an amalgamation of all the people that have influenced me and that have played a role in my life. And so the way that I approach actually teaching the Bible is the way that my dad approaches teaching the Bible, a very expositional, exegetical approach. Yeah. But stylistically, the way that I approach it, uh, I think is more unique to my voice, is more... Um, like Levi Lusco, or more like a lot of the younger preachers that I admire and that I like to listen to. Um, and so I find I'm just kind of an amalgamation of the different people who have influenced me and, and played a role in my life. Um, but teaching style very much, you know, Calvary, we very much take an exegetical approach. However, by and large, the opportunities that I get to teach um, usually kind of function as a guest weekend, which I get an opportunity in doing so to be a bit more fiery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, when you're teaching through the book of James, you can't be like, hey, we're going to take a weekend off the book of James to talk about abortion. Right. Because right. we teach verse by verse. <laughs> right. right. But right. when you're a guest speaker, you can come in and be like, hey, I don't care what you guys are teaching because I get to be a guest speaker this weekend. So I get to talk about what I want to talk about. And the election just happens. Let's talk about the election and who really is on the throne. It's not the donkey and it's not the elephant. The mm-hmm. lion of the tribe of Judah is on the throne. And we need to remind ourselves who we're really following here. And so, you know, you get those opportunities that you might not get if you're teaching through a series. Sure.
2: When we asked your dad this. I'm just going to ask this as a follow-up question. Where do you stand on politics and the pulpit? Do, you, do they? Is there a place where they blend and merge? Yeah. Should they be separate? What is your personal I think take on that? Where
3: they converge with moral biblical issues, they need to be talked about. Some preachers won't talk about any of those issues, um, even if it's moral, because they say, well, that's a political issue. Abortion's not a political issue. That's a moral issue. Uh, racism is not a political issue. That's a moral issue. Um, transgenderism and LGBTQ and, and, and the like, this is not a, a uh, political issue. This is a moral issue. And so I think where the Bible um, tra- uh, you know, c- kind of intersects and crosses um, with politics, it needs to be talked about. Um, And and, you you see this in the church in Germany um, throughout World War II. They were very, very silent on what was happening. It was said that they would, uh, as the... Uh train cars would go by with Jewish people on the cars screaming out the church pastors would tell the people to sing louder so that the choir could drown out the noise of really? yeah. the cries.
2: Wow. Um, yeah. um
3: and that becomes a huge blot yeah. upon the church of Germany in the 1940s. Um and it was very much, well, this is political. We just need to preach the gospel, we just yeah. need to pray. Um and that's not the case. The reality is, um, you know, we're in a series right now at Calvary called Kingdom City. Where we're, ta- we're talking about this this idea that our city should be a city that reflects and exalts the name of God. Now, I think most people living in Albuquerque couldn't look around and say, "Oh, my city exalts the name of God," and yet it should, and that should be something we strive for. And social concern and social care is always the sister of evangelism. Um, and a lot of Christians say, "Well, I'm just an evangelist. I'm just an evangelist." No, you also. Have to have some kind of social concern, care, activism in your culture to make a difference. You know, this is the idea of being salt and light. Part of salt is salt stings. Yep. Salt preserves, but salt stings. That hurts. If you have an open wound, you pour some salt in that, you better buckle up because that sucker's going to sting. And Christians need to recognize our role in society to be a preserving agent in society. And that starts with stinging the conscience of society, telling society things they don't want to hear, waking them up to the depravity of their sin, the, 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 the way that they're trapped in sin. And we got to wake them up to that. And, and unfortunately, sometimes that means being political and, and being outspoken about those things. But I, I, for me, in the realm of church, I draw that line with where it intersects with biblical uh, mandates and teachings.
1: And so with where we are now, and, and we wanted to kind of merge this back in, speaking of, of where things are, you know, politically, uh, do you think now uh, since you've been doing this for 10 plus years now, right? 2006 is when I yeah, got, yeah. got ordained. Yeah. And so, so you 15, even more. Yeah. Um, so are we in a spot now that concerns you more than at any time in your life? And, and we saw what's happened and, mm-hmm in Israel, and we'll get to that, and we'll get into details on that. Do, do you think this thought process now that things just continue to slide in a way away from God and mm-hmm. toward a worldly or or just a conflict-based you know, pathway that, that if we don't turn
3: this around and put our foot in the ground, we're headed for a very dark place? I very much think. So I actually just did a message two weeks ago as we opened up this kingdom city, and I opened up with saying, I don't think times have ever been darker than where they are now. You just look at the news headlines, you know, Disney CEO says that half of Disney characters need to be LGBTQIA or minority by the end of year. You look at, um, you know, just the rapid, um, aggressive nature of the transgender movement um, attacking a Judeo-Christian family mindset. Um, You look at abortion, you look at all these things, and I don't think it would be a stretch to say that we live in a very fallen world, and it's very concerning, but I also— think that I don't know that I've been in times where I see the light beginning to shine brighter than I ever have before. You know, in the midst of this darkness politically, you have people, not even Christians, who are waking up and saying, this is wrong and this is no. going, this is the problem. When the left and when left ideologies try to take too much ground too quick, people who might even have in the past agreed with them say, no, 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 this, is, this isn't good. We need to Pump the brakes here, yeah. and so you're seeing even non Christians wake up to this and taking their kids out of schools and putting them in Christian schools. And you see even non Christians beginning to see what's happening and saying, "This is not good, and we need to change something here." And so you see things like the Asbury Revival, and you see, um, you know, on campuses in Texas, these incredible revivals and people getting baptized in lakes in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And you see, you know, the Jesus Revolution yep. happening again, and you see Pirates Cove and tens of thousands of people getting baptized. getting saved. Um, and, And you see just these glimmers of light beginning to shine through, people waking up. So I think when it's darkest, it has the most opportunity for revival. We saw this in the 60s and 70s with the Jesus movement. And in fact, let's just launch in and I'll let you jump in, babe. Uh, Greg
1: Laurie uh, talked today, speaking of the Jesus, part of the Jesus revolution and Pirate Cove and everything else uh, jumps in today and, and talks about what's going on in Israel. So, and we have the pictures, Ava, you've got clips that we've, we've pulled before on what happened and we'll show some of these. Let's get, let's get to that yeah. and, and, and and discuss, because he, he, he talked about the darkness of this where, where, when you saw what happened here over the past couple of days, what was your first reaction?
3: I think shock. I think anytime this happens, part of you is just, first of all, Israel being attacked is nothing new. Right. Um, you got to understand something. Satan hates Israel um, because Satan hates promises of God. And so this is nothing new. It seems like every couple of years, Hamas or Hezbollah attacks Israel. The biggest question when it starts happening is what severity is this going to turn out to be? You know, in 2021, uh, I believe Hamas launched about 4,800 rockets in the course of uh, twelve days. You know, before that, it kind of goes back every couple years. There's these attacks. This is different. Um, you know, in the first twelve hours of this, they launched thirty six hundred rockets. Um, and uh, you know, they're coming. They're attacking by land, air, and sea. Yeah. Um, this is now. They're saying this is the most significant attack on the Jewish people since the last year of World War II. So before, you know, in day one, they were saying this is the most significant attack. Uh, since Yom Kippur, which right. is 50 years earlier. Right. Right. Um, this is literally the 50-year anniversary of Yom Kippur. Um, and so they were saying it was the worst from there, but now it's progressed. I think they're saying now, the most recent report that I read was something like, uh, it was 600, I think it even rose to so 900. Yeah,
1: it's 900. now, And we can show some of this, and not just 900. Yeah. When we're talking about the people they are attacking, and we've got video of this, it it's horrendous. And believe me, the reason we have video of this, yeah. a lot of it, because they shot it. Yeah. They yeah. want- everyone to, now. to yeah. know exactly what they're doing. This is a fear campaign yep. and a campaign that is designed to escalate yep. designed because it's supported by Iran. Yep. So when you look at all of that together, What does that tell you just from a personal and then from a biblical sense? Yeah.
3: Well, I think, you know, first of all, we got we need to call this like it is. They want to be identified as like a Palestinian state. This is a terrorist organization. They are not operating by the same rules of engagement that an army or a nation would operate by. They're not operating with dignity, respect, or any of those things. They're operating animalistically, and they're operating in a sense of of terrorists. And, And so- you know, people a lot of times get mad at Israel and say, well, why is Israel so heavy-handed? Because you need to recognize the enemy they're fighting. Right. They're not fighting by an enemy that operates by rules or gives human dignity or uh, any of those things. They're they're fighting terrorists. Hamas is a terrorist organization. So don't let them call themselves anything different. Um, and you look at the way that they're attacking, you look at what they're doing. Um, they're, they're not just fighting a physical battle, it's a mental battle. They're trying to break down uh, Isra- Israel Israelis through fear. They're trying to use tactics that strip human dignity and make people look like animals. We're talking rape, ter- torture, murder. Um, you know, these are the things where they're recording videos torturing the people that they've yeah. abducted. And these aren't yeah. army. Uh, these not aren't just army and generals that they're abducting. These are women and children. These are. Um, I mean, this is a German woman here yeah. who was killed at a concert.
1: Yeah, and this kid comes up, spits on her, and, and you see what this is. I yeah. mean. It, it is absolutely And, and it's been reported there's Americans now who have also yeah. been killed in this mm-hmm. attack as well. Yeah. So. And then today we have a a, a parade in New York or, or at least a, a protest of sorts.
2: Uh, yeah, the Palestinian, there's a Palestinian, a pro-Palestinian group that did a protest in New York today, Yeah. you know, which, you know, we kind of talked about, like Israel's already said that this is kind of like their 9-11. Yeah. So we can't imagine a pro-group stepping up, uh, you know, pro-group in New York the day after 9-11.
3: We can't imagine that that would well, even- Well, you couldn't have before in 9-11. I could see it happening nowadays. <sighs> it you can see so it sad. happening nowadays of pro-Palestinian groups. Um, you know, people were freaking out when we invited uh, different groups that were, you know, took part in 9-11. And yet you had some rising up and saying, well, no, in pro-Palestinian groups. And I mean, it, I, that's what I think is crazy about the culture we live in today is I couldn't see that happening 22 years ago but I could 100% see it happening today.
2: Do you think there's like this merge of, you know, kind of this culture of everybody's okay and everything's fine? I mean, I kind of feel like it's bubbled under for, I don't know, in my lifetime, you know, even as a, you know, maybe not as much as a teenager, but when I kind of came into college and a little bit older, that really there's no, you know, everything's okay as long as can't we all live in love together and just like really no defined rule and no Real understand- I, I just feel like in that equation, God's law often is not respected. I mean, I don't know if that's fair to say, yeah. but that is how I feel that like, no, there's definitely some God-driven laws here. There's well, I think
3: some- definitely moral relativity is at an all-time high um, moral relativity has become the new religion for people. Um, everything's feeling based now. There's nothing that's, that's actual fact based. Everything's, well, how do you feel? If you feel like a woman, you must be a woman. If you feel like a man, you must be a man. If you feel like a cat. I mean, we have litter boxes in classrooms for kids who think they're cats. Um, and I'm like, well, you know, we neuter cats. So if we're going to go that route, I'm just, but I mean, it's like, we, we, we get into this place where whatever you feel, it must be true, but But feelings, you know, we're told uh, in the Bible that the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? That if we operate based on our feelings, we got to recognize our feelings fluctuate constantly. Um, and I think, you know, living your life off feeling basis, why we see the divorce rate so high. Cause one day you don't feel in love. It's why we see abortion so high. Well, I don't feel that I want this baby. I mean, I think we can trace a lot of that to moral relativism, which really roots to this idea of self as a God, you know, people mm. want to yeah. whatever yeah. they want is number one, and so we worship ourselves as God. We've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. We've taken the created thing and put it above the creator, and we now worship the created thing over the creator. And when you have all this that that falls out of balance, you see what what's happening in society.
1: Uh-huh. And so when you see where we are right now in the Middle East, and you've been there, yeah, what, what, what do you fear? Because now we're hearing, and, and you can see the headlines are starting to come out, Iran knew, mm-hmm. Iran coordinated this with Hamas, so, so we know they're involved. We know that to the north, we're likely to see Hezbollah. It, it's an interesting thing about Hezbollah, Hezbollah and Hamas the, hate
3: each other, right? We and, have to and, understand that. Yeah, but and there is in the enemy of my enemy is my friend,
1: right? And what's interesting about them too is when you get like a light volley exchange on the northern edge of Israel, that usually means they don't want to get involved, and that's mm-hmm. what we have right now. So that may not end up being a big deal, but we do know Iran is in the middle of this. What do you fear as far as a wider war? Uh, on what could happen here, and, and what role the United States could
3: play? You know, there's so many routes to go in that question. Um, I think, I think the biggest fear is not a fear; it's something we know is going to happen in an end times narrative. We know that leading up to Armageddon, all the nations will rise against Israel, and the nations will come against Israel. Again, I went to this, I mentioned this briefly before. We have to understand this is part of Satan's design. Satan is out to attack the Jewish people. From the garden, this has happened. So in the Garden of Eden, when when Satan was issued a promise from God and said that the seed of woman will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. Satan's plan from that point became, how can I stop the seed of man from crushing my head? And he went about this many different ways. The first way in the days of Noah, he went about trying to have angels lay with women. We read about this and there's these these spirits that were in bondage since the days of Noah. Um, and these spirits laid with women and created what you read in the Bible of Nephilim. It's this race of giants um, that the, uh, the the sons of God laid with the the uh, daughters of man. Um, and again, trying to pollute that bloodline. Like, well, I mean, if I can pollute the bloodline, the seed of man can't crush my head. We see this happening with Moses. We see Pharaoh trying to kill all... The, the firstborn males um, of the Israelites, we see this with Herod trying to do the same thing. Every time Satan's plan up until Christ is born and dies on the cross and rises from the dead, his plan is to try to stop the Son of Man from coming. Um it says that in first Peter, Jesus descended and he proclaimed to the spirits that were in bondage from the days of Noah. So when Jesus dies on the cross, he comes down into Hades and to these spirits that were in bondage. These are the same spirits that you remember in the story of, um, the demon possessed man, the demons being, uh, exercised and they beg to go into the pig and not go into the abuso. Right. They know of this pit. There's this place where demons can go if they're too naughty. God's yep. like, all right, you don't get to be loose anymore. You go into the pit, the naughty pit, time out. Um, he goes down there and he proclaims to them basically, hey, the seed of man that you try, the seed of woman that you try to crush, that's me. I'm him. I, I beat you. I won. From that point on, Satan's tactic changes. Satan realizes if he can't stop his head from being crushed, he can cause people to stop believing that God keeps his promises. God made a number – of oaths and promises. Covenants was what we call them with the Jewish people. You have the Abrahamic covenant. You have the Davidic covenant. You have all these different covenants. So Satan says, okay, well, if I can't stop Jesus from coming, he's already came, I can cause God not to keep his word. And if God doesn't keep his word, that goes against his nature. And if that goes against his nature, then I can win a different way. So we see Satan's plan from that point becomes to exterminate the Jewish people. And this is why you see all through history from the birth of Christ, the death of Christ and the resurrection, there has been an attack on the Jewish nation, the Israelite people, historically for 2,000 years, um, and, and there's always a group that's trying to destroy them, whether that be become part of the Inquisition. You see this in, in Germany. There was a lot of anti-Semitism there. Early on in Martin Luther's era, there was a lot of anti-Semitism um, throughout the Middle Middle Ages and the Dark Ages. There's a ton of anti-Semitism, obviously, when you look in 1942, um, and there's this huge anti-Semitism in the Islamic movement. Iran has stated that Israel is the small Satan and America is the large Satan and death to Israel and death to America. Iran's goal, don't let them fool you, is nothing less than destroying America and destroying Israel. And they will not be satisfied until they cease to exist entirely. If they had the weapons of mass destruction to do it, they would already have fired them at Israel and America and destroyed us off the face of the earth. So anytime we try to reason with somebody, you can't reason with somebody who's unreasonable. If your goal, if your only goal is to destroy me, there's no point in me reasoning with you because your goal is to destroy me. We can't find a middle ground because you're like, no, 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 my middle ground is you're dead.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Absolutely. I can't
3: reason with that. And that's, so when we try to reason with Iran and barter with Iran, It's fruitless because we have to understand this is all a satanic plot. It's a satanic ploy. It's Satan working in the hearts of men. And what their overarching goal is to destroy Israel, and eventually they will, eventually all the nations will rise up, turn on Israel. And at that point, that's when Armageddon happens. And God comes in, the promise keeper, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and says, oh, you can roar loud, I can roar louder. I'm gonna destroy you all and there will be blood up to the bridle of a horses in this valley of Armageddon. So do you think that's where we're in the process of heading right now? I think it is if nations don't rise up and support Israel. Yeah. What Israel needs the most right now isn't money, isn't weapons, they need moral support. They need countries that have been longstanding allies like Great Britain, like France, like America, even since World War II, Germany. They need these countries to rise up and morally support Israel and say Israel has every right to use extreme prejudice in defending itself and protecting itself. Where I become scared is if this Islamic-Palestinian narrative becomes too loud and you start having countries like America say, well, we don't want to get involved in this. This is really a Palestinian-Israeli A moral – well, they, they add a moral relativism to Correct. it, right? So when you start having nations do that, that's when I get scared because if no nation will come and defend Israel – Then Israel's by itself, and if Israel's by itself, you'll see all the Islamic nations say, oh, Israel doesn't have America's protection anymore. America's the big dog on the block. You know, regardless of how America's fallen in in the world's eyes, America's still the big dog on the block. We got the weapons, we've got the manpower, we've got the sway. The second America backs down and stops supporting Israel, other nations will follow suit. And then the big dog Islamic nations like Iran, like mm-hmm. Iraq, even Saudi Arabia, they were in peace talks. These nations will rise up and realize that Israel's vulnerable in, the in their bottom. attack. So that's the biggest concern for me is when we stop supporting Israel. And again, there's a biblical precedence here. You see this all through the Old Testament. If you're an enemy of God's people, you're an enemy of God. You're a friend of God's people. You're a friend of God, and so I look at that, and and, And that's blessed this country, hasn't it? For it has
1: since our founding. Well, I mean, well, it depends. I mean, Israel's founding obviously is much later, but yeah, it it is amazing to see that, and you see that we were. I think that is one of still one of the best things that we do as a country is that we we are the bulwark for Israel. I mean, not only for weapons and funding and everything else, but just support on the world stage. And by
3: the way, this blessing that God gives to those who support His people goes, it, it, it's a blessing that's a promise and a covenant, whether you believe in Jesus or not. There's, the reality is there's certain blessings in the Bible that whether you're a believer or not, if you apply certain biblical principles, you will be blessed. This is one of those blessings we th- see throughout the Old Testament. When people blessed God's people, whether they were believers or not, God blessed them and God kept that covenant and oath to them. I really believe, you know, this is what Psalm talks about, is pray for the peace of Jerusalem that all may be well with you and you may prosper. Is that when we bless Jerusalem, when we bless Israel, God blesses us. And I think there's a large tie to that. It's like, Hey, if you're a friend of my people, you're my friend. If you're an enemy of my people, you're my enemy. Yeah.
2: Very scary. There's like no gray area there uh, when it comes to scripture. But I think yeah. what I think kind of is, uh, I, I think a lot of people don't know that specifically. And that's why I'm glad that you came here today and kind of can share some of that, you know, knowledge base. Cause even, like I said, I've read this scripture a lot, but sometimes it gets kind of like, what, what did, what are we saying here as far as Israel kind of losing its it's support. Well, Do
1: we worry too that that maybe, Christy, and, and what we, we see now is it's – you used to never see any daylight between Democrats and Republicans on Israel. Right. That's gone. Yeah. There's daylight. There's a lot of daylight. Yeah. There's a huge portion of the Democratic Party now that, that really does call into question support for Israel. Not all of them. Not yeah. all of them. But, but more
3: than I'm comfortable with. Yeah, it really is. And honestly, that's the most scary thing to me looking at the American landscape right now. The left is the left, they've always been the left. It's the progressive left that's really, really scary. It's these squad members, it's the AOC, it's the Rashid Talib. It's, it's this group that is terrifying to me. And it's this group that has a huge sway over Gen Y um, and over Gen Alpha yeah. um, that are thinking the same way that you go into schools that are in this very rapid progressive, yeah. you know, if you think you're a cat, you can be a cat and use a litter box And I mean, it's this, that mentality. Yeah is really spreading. And I think it spreads so quickly. Most people don't know it exists. You know, you, you mentioned that there's litter boxes in classrooms. Most people laugh thinking you're making a joke. I actually mentioned it at Calvary and people laughed and I said, I wish that was a joke. That's yeah, not. But that's actually happening. Yeah. Right. I mean, so I think that's the concern is. In our politics now too. Yeah. Is driven by the edges. So that that brings more
1: weight to what you're saying. That, that people like AOC, Rashida Talib. I mean, if you look at their statements on what happened, they're horrendous. First and foremost, there's a moral equivalent there Right away. And that's where they're starting with the moral equivalency. So, you know, they're going to get worse from there as time goes, because what we're going to see now is Israel is going to strike back. They are going to remove Hamas's ability to be able to do what they just did. And so their, their push is going to be further and further away from Israel at a time when they have maximum power.
3: Yeah, and so I look at this and I don't know how far away we are from it, but I definitely think there's there's beacons and signs of the end time. The the most fascinating one to me really isn't even just this attack on Israel because that's always been there. If you look at every major society through history, um, the downfall of that society began when there became an over obsession and fascination with gender, gender identity, and sexual dysphoria. Yeah. You see it in Greece, you see it in yep. Rome, you see it in Persia. It became when there was an over-fascination with men wanting to be women, dressing like women. Um, you also see this in the uh, slide in a sexual perversion. We read throughout scripture that God gave them over to the wicked and lustful desires of their heart. You see this in Sodom and Gomorrah before God judges Sodom and Gomorrah. It's an over-fascination with sexuality, sexual perversion, gender dysphoria. Um, and that that really leads into the first step of, of God's judgment. But really, the first step of God's judgment is God giving people over over to the wicked desires of their hearts, and then he judges them. Happens with Noah, God gave them over to the wicked, lustful desire of their hearts. It happened with Sodom and Gomorrah. It happens with every nation that we've seen get judged and no longer exists. The difference today, now, than before is the world is more connected than it's ever been. No longer is this just one nation because of this globalist mentality we have and because of social media news connecting all of us, it's no longer one nation that God can judge. You look at the landscape now, it's like, well, what nation isn't guilty of this? So really, if we look at that landscape, the next judgment that's going to come will not be the judgment of a nation. It will be the judgment of the world because of the world so connected. And I would argue that we might already be in that first phase of judgment, right. but it doesn't mean that we can't stave it off from happening because if my people will hear my voice and turn from their wicked ways, then I will be merciful and I will rain down mercy upon them. So... If the church responds, sees what's happening, wakes up, starts preaching the gospel, I believe another revival can happen and it can stave off that final, ultimate judgment from God for a time. Well,
2: well and, and you know, that's like, Paul really talked about that a lot of warning us, like when things, when the dark seems like light and the immoral seems more moral, like be on your guard. Like these yeah. are the times that God is, you know, really warning us about. And I think that as Christians, especially, we're kind of like, I mean, I'm kind of more and more alert to it. Yeah, It feels like it's happening a lot more where we're, you almost, you know, you want to hesitate because you don't want to offend somebody, right? But you're like, this seems weird. This doesn't seem like the design that we're supposed to be living under. But I'm also scared to say anything because I don't want to offend my neighbor. I don't want to offend my friends, you know? And I think what's interesting is we're seeing brave leaders like you step up and say, hey, listen, we this is... This this is nothing new under the sun. Yeah, God told us all about this. He he laid it out very clearly in Scripture that this is going to happen. Yeah, and you know, so what is your advice? Then you're saying, well, if people will tune back to God, we're, we are seeing these revivals. I saw, you know, I saw um, a great Jenny Allen, I think is her name, and she's out there speaking to college kids, and they yeah. did they did one of those big lake baptisms like two weeks ago. I want to say it was in Alabama or something, and she wasn't expecting it. Yeah, she just went to speak. And then one of the kids came up and said, I want to be baptized. There was a pastor there. He said, let's go down to the lake. And you saw hundreds of college kids get baptized in the middle of the night. So God is absolutely at work. I mean, there is no doubt. But what, okay, what do you tell us that are worried, that are saying, oh, it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse before it gets better.
3: Yeah, I think that, I think what's really dangerous about that is that kind of mentality can lead to apathy. Um, and we can get into this, this place where if we just continue to watch, we just continue to watch, um, and we could, what happens is we don't just watch, we complain. This is the interesting thing I find. And honestly, this is a, a, a blight on Republicans, um, a blight on Christian Republicans. The past four years have been really bad. If we look at society, we look at America going down, but most people I see just complain in echo chambers. Oh, my city, this, oh, my city, that, oh, my governor, this, oh, my mayor, that, oh, my president, this. And They're just complaining, but complaining can lead to complacency and complacency can lead to catastrophe. If we're not careful, it really is a slippery slope. So we need to get people who will stop complaining and remind ourselves, you know what? My city might be really broken down right now, but but I love my city. I love my country. I live in one of the best countries ever. And as you remind yourself what you love about the place that you're in, you remind yourself that it's worth saving. And so I think what we need to do is we need to have first people stop watching. People are on the sidelines just watching what's happening and just feeling like they're helpless and they can't do anything. They just complain. Stop watching and start working. We see this in Nehemiah. Nehemiah uh, refused to just sit by and watch. He was he was in Babylon. He was 800 miles away. Mm-hmm. He could have heard the news that Jerusalem was in ruins and so said, that's not my job. Yeah. But he didn't. He heard it and it broke his heart. And he said, you know what? If if my city that's supposed to exalt the name of the Lord is in ruins, I should do something about it. So he went back. He didn't say it's someone else's problem. There's other people there. Someone else can fix it. He said, I'm going to stop watching and I'm going to start working. So, I would say stop complaining and start caring, stop watching and start working, and then last, stop giving in and start giving it your all. I think too many Christians just kind of give in to what's happening. They're like, well, there's if if I speak up, I'm going to get attacked, I'm going to get persecuted. I'm I'm going to get Lambass, I'm gonna get canceled, cancel culture. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna make any money. And there's all this fear. The reality is salt stings. And when it stings, people are gonna respond aggressively. And so if you start working and you start getting involved in changing your city and changing your society, recognize you're gonna get attacked.
2: Oh, we you're know that get attacked <laughs>
3: yeah. No way. But guess yes. what? That's good. Yeah. That means yeah. you're doing your job. Yeah. That means you're being salt. So you're gonna get attacked, um, but don't give in. Don't give in to that. Mm-hmm. Just give it your all. Keep working. Because that's one thing, you know, if Christians just keep working and do it with the right heart, we mm-hmm. don't resort to the world's tactics and start using their uh, schemes and their gimmicks. And, and, you know, it's like, it's so funny. Christians and Republicans got canceled for two years. And it's almost like we realized, oh, we can do the same. So yeah. we can cancel Bud Light. We right. can cancel Target. Not, I'm not shopping at Target. I'm not drinking Bud Light. So right. I'm not saying that's bad to do, but we have to pair that with um this this th- thing that too many Christians are just known what they're against not what they're for. Right. So don't just go in the world of like I'm against this, I'm against that. Be active in your city and making a difference and preaching the gospel and changing things. You know, h- historically Christians have been the ones that started all the uh, the major, you know, salvation army, we're the ones who have started all the different care care networks and all the nonprofits. Get involved in your community. Mm-hmm. Do something. Be active. And, and where do you think – so as we kind of wind
1: things down here, where do you think we are then with what's happening uh, with Israel? What do you think we're going to see here? Do you, Do you? What are you going to be watching for? Are you going to be watching for a wider conflict? Are you going to be watching for what happens in this country as a reaction to what justly would be Israel going in and re- removing a threat that is proven to be
3: incredibly dangerous? If I was going to put out what I expect is going to happen, one thing we need to understand, Israel – has an incredible amount of patriotism. Yeah. Um, America has zero patriotism. In Israel, everybody from a young age um, is conscripted in their part of the army. Yeah. And so you have an entire nation of people that have arms and will fight. And you've got to recognize they're only 80 years away from a massacre of their people, and they're not going to let that happen again. It's still fresh in their memories. It was their grandparents who were dying in Holocaust camps. They're not going to allow that to happen again. So they're going to fight back, and they're going to fight back hard. So Mm -hmm. I think in the coming weeks, expect Israel— Especially with Benjamin Netanyahu leading Israel right now, um, which I'm so thankful he's in that leadership position with what's happening, um, expect them to fight back and fight back very, very hard. And what will appear to some is very heavy handed. I would expect Israel to go scorched earth. I would expect Gaza, um, you know, to to look like a, a you know a burning trash yard um, in the coming days. I would expect Israel to attack very hard, very brutally um and what i'm what i'm curious and i'm waiting to see is when israel counterattacks how will the nations support them then cuz right now you have biden coming out and saying israel has our unequivocal support and he's been very like wishy-washy about it he said they're going to have all of our reasonable or appropriate support, I believe, was something in his mm-hmm. quote in his right. release, or it was
1: appropriate. And it's like, right. what does that mean? Well, believe me, that started with Obama, too, that there were there was some real distance then yeah. between the United States and Israel. It came back with Trump, and then now Biden's going to be put to the test. And I don't know yeah. that any of us have any confidence yeah. in his ability to either understand it or properly execute what's best for the U.S. or Israel.
3: So expect Israel to attack Expect them to win this war. Israel will win this war. They have an immense military power. Um, Hamas cannot stand a chance. So expect Israel to attack hard and fast. Um, Wait to see how nations are going to respond. If America responds still supporting Israel and other nations do, I think that'll be the end of it. If they don't expect Iran to get involved and realize, okay, all we had to do was is push Israel hard enough to attack with extreme prejudice and they lost the support of the world. And that will give the opportunity for Iran to step in and and actually be an aggressor instead of a behind-the-scenes aggressor and come in with more attacks. Um, but if America stands firm and other countries stand firm, that will scare away the big dogs like Iran and some of the other Islamic countries. So that's really kind of what I'm looking at and waiting for are, are the are we living
1: through the end times, or do you believe that, that that maybe this is not the end times? If you had to put it into a
3: put a bow on this whole thing, well, I, um, again, I think that it really just depends on the response of people to what they're seeing happening, how they respond to that. I think you probably could have looked at the '60s and asked that same question. There was a lot of protests against war. There was a huge amount of division in our country um, against uh, kind of the old ways that were set in place. And these young people wanting to have free sex and drugs and, and all this, all that that came out of that. Um, there was a lot of political division. You know, you have Watergate happening. You have, I mean, all this stuff happening. Wars happening but I think we saw people respond to the gospel. We saw revival happening. That's what I said before. I think we live in darker times than I've ever seen before, but I don't know that I've seen the light beginning to shine brighter than it has in a long time. So I think if we let that revival catch fire again, if my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their land. If we want our land to be healed, we need to turn from our wicked ways, and I believe God is just and he keeps his promises, and I think we can see our land healed. You know, I'm encouraged by the younger, younger generation, like, like by the age of your kids and some of these younger kids, that I'm seeing that generation start to wake up to some of this mm-hmm. as well, yeah. and I have a huge amount of hope Um to see this, there, there's a book, oh, this isn't biblical, extra, extra biblical book, called The Fourth Turning. Have you read that book? Incredible. You guys should read it. You'd love okay. it. It talks about this idea that we really have, and you see this throughout history, and I really think it's God's judgment, four turnings that happen. You have a season where good times breed weak men. Weak men bring in bad times. Bad times make strong men, strong men bring in good times. That's interesting. And it's really these four cycles and turnings. We're in a season right now where weak men have brought in bad times, but I think those bad times are starting to breed some strong men and women. Hmm. And I think those strong men and women um, are going to have to rebuild a lot of the rubble that the weak men and women have caused, and that will bring in some good times. Good. Well done. That's a we got oh, like a we
2: got like a private sermon today. Yeah, this is pretty good. <laughs> and like this is a class. good. Well, so you made our, us feel you're... a
3: little better about
1: things too, because the yeah. first twenty minutes of this show was pretty rough. Yeah, because we just detailed. What, what happened. actually happened? I think situation. you have to show it. Like I don't, I don't, I don't think you can sit there and be like, "It was really bad." Yeah, or you can say that. Yeah, or you show the pictures. Totally, and you got to show the pictures in the video. We did that, and we appreciate you coming in and kind of giving us reason for optimism. And 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 again, get involved, and as you said, make change, and you yeah. can do it. And and God is waiting. Waiting to lead you, whether yep. whether you believe get your house or in not. order. That's what I
3: always tell. And God might have you in that season for such a time as this. You know, yep. He had Esther there, yep. He had Daniel there, He had Joseph there. Yep. You know, God loves taking one person who's willing to stand up and say, "Hey, me, yep. pick yeah. me, I'll do it." Or
2: they don't even say, "Pick me," yeah. right? No, he just says,
3: <laughs> You're going to do yeah. this. Yeah. And now yeah. I'm
2: going to give you the strength to do it and yeah. the resources to do it. So yeah, oh, cool.
3: All well, right,
2: thanks, Nate. We appreciate your Nate time, Nate Heights at Calvary
1: Church. Nate, thanks very much, yeah, thank and thanks for joining us on the No Doubt About a Podcast. We appreciate it.
0: You're listening to the No Doubt About It podcast. Back to your hosts, Christy and Mark
1: Ronchetti. So uh, first off, uh, let's just hit one other quick thing, and that is Thursday show. Right. Alex Epstein is going to join us. He is one of the foremost uh, experts in the country on... Uh, fossil fuels and uh, basically fossil fuels and climate change and what should we be doing with fossil fuels going forward. He he has a really interesting perspective, a national voice on this. we got Alex to sit down with us um, for about 40 minutes Mm -hmm. to talk about his books, fossil future and the moral case for fossil fuels in a state that produces more oil and gas than just about any other state in the country. And one of the best producers in the world, we thought it was important to to talk to him and he's a really interesting guy. So yeah, we're excited really for that. Interesting.
2: he said he came from the kind of the green side when he right? was uh, younger yep. and just him actually looking into the case and realizing the, the green argument really was pretty weak argument. And so he talks a lot more about that. with Well, all and, it, us, so. and it
1: will lead to his perspective is interesting because he has a, a background in philosophy. So I right. think you're really going to like it. Yep. So we appreciate you joining us. Yeah. Sorry, today was so heavy. but uh,
2: Hug your family, hug your kids.
1: Absolutely. And
2: say some sweet prayers prayers. for the folks um, in Israel.
1: You bet. Absolutely. And we'll see you back here on Thursday.
0: You've been listening to the No Doubt About It podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at No Doubt About It Podcast. No doubt about it. The No Doubt About It Podcast is a Choose Adventure Media production.
1: See you next time on No Doubt About It.
0: There is no doubt about it.